1: You are not so smart is part of the Boing Boing family of podcasts, and if you'd like to find more podcasts like this one, go to of <laughs> <laughs>
0: They
1: went fire. Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart podcast, episode eighty six. <laughs> A few years ago, a group of people unwittingly contributed something wonderful to science. Without realizing it, they added to a better understanding of how to create and maintain the sort of intellectual communities where the best ideas emerge and the worst ideas are tossed in the waste bin of history. And they did this by spending several days arguing on the internet about that great moral and ethical quandary, the Trix rabbit.
0: At last, Sweet, delicious Trix, the fruity part of my complete breakfast. Wow! Delicious, yummy, awesome, stupendous! Uh-huh. Created in
1: 1959, the Trix Rabbit, whose name, by the way, is Trix, as in T-R-I-C-K-S, is the mascot for Trix Cereal. T-R-I-X. Little balls of flavored corn that look and sort of taste like tiny, colorful fruit. Now, Trix is a goofy cartoon who can interact with the real world, but that interaction almost always leads to misery because his singular drive in this life is to acquire and consume tricks cereal the only problem is no humans ever allow him to have any because well he's a rabbit and rabbits aren't allowed to eat tricks cereal only human children i've
0: tried everything
1: i'll never get to taste tricks with lime green pops his desire perpetually unsated he has the resort to subterfuge and deceit, guile, and deception. In other words, tricks. And with this
2: disguise,
1: I'll be, be sure cool. to be on the winning side! Hey, 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 hey. Of course, like his Sisyphean peer, Wily Coyote, his best-laid plans are usually thwarted. Because mainly, he's just not very good at tricking people, because as soon as he's within striking distance, his overwhelming desire causes him to flip out and expose his ears or something like that, and it gives him away.
0: I like, there's lemon, there's orange in every bite. The kids don't clown.
1: If you grew up watching these commercials, you realize pretty quickly that he is continually forced to accept his eternal fate. Time is a flat circle for Trix the Rabbit, because every time a new batch of kids uncovers His underhanded chicanery, and it's inevitable that they will. They will then mock him with the line Silly rabbit, tricks are for kids. So, as I mentioned earlier, this drama, the life of Trix the Rabbit, and how that drama is presented in serial commercials targeted at children became the subject of a sprawling internet argument a few years ago. And that argument started when an anonymous poster wrote that the commercials encourage children to think that discrimination of those unlike themselves is totally acceptable. Tricks is a well-meaning rabbit who just wants to enjoy some cereal, and saying silly rabbit, tricks are for kids is like saying marriage is for heterosexuals only, or voting is for white people, or being president is just for men. Now, if the person who posted that had just walked away, it wouldn't have been all that much different from the sort of multi-paragraph ranting you might find on Facebook or Medium or just about anywhere people feel safe stating their opinions. But instead of walking away, the person who made the case for Trix the Rabbit as a bad influence on young minds closed out their argument by politely asking that everyone who disagreed with them do whatever they could to, quote, change my view. Now, if you've spent much time online, you know that this is odd because most of the time we take to our keyboards to tell the world how wrong it is and to demonstrate how right we are. We rarely, if ever, ask the Internet to show us in detail the extent of our own ignorance. In other words... If we think that we're right, we rarely ask the internet to tell us how we might be wrong, and that's what makes this tricks rabbit argument so fascinating because it took place in a digital community
3: devoted to that very idea. So it's a community. I think we're a bit over 200,000 subscribers at the moment, uh, and. Essentially, anyone can come to it um, who either is, you know, has been in the community for a while or not and pose some view that they hold uh, that they're, for some reason or another, interested in having changed by people.
1: That's Peter Hurley.
3: He's one of the moderators of Change My View. Hi, my name is Peter Hurley. I'm one of the moderators on uh, Change My View on Reddit. Uh, I'm currently uh, working in the legal field and, and have been doing that for a couple of years and yeah, I don't know what else to say.
1: Peter is one of many moderators who helps keep Change My View alive and thriving and evolving and iterating and Change My View as an internet community is part of Reddit, which is an internet community made of internet
0: communities. So Reddit, is, as you may know, is is a very large community of different message boards and interest groups and things like that. That's Mark Mariner. He's another mod at Change My View. Yeah, So I'm, I'm Mark Moroner. I've been a Redditor for about three years. I've been a moderator of Change My View for about two and a half. Um, my son got me into it a, a few years ago and, and um, then I really uh, started enjoying it. And it's a kind of cool place.
1: It is a cool place because it offers something you won't find, I don't think, anywhere else, which is It's a sort of digital watering hole where people come who are uncomfortable with the way they think about something. And when they come there, they're hoping to find out whether or not that uncomfortable feeling means something.
0: You know, that that maybe they they grew up being taught about um, that that vaccines are bad or, or certain political views or abortion or, or whatever it is. And they suddenly they're having some doubts and they want to understand more what other people are thinking.
3: Uh, it can be anything from something pretty inane to like something about, uh, say, you know, the trick's rabbit. Uh, we had a very interesting one not so long ago about um, someone who thought that kids should not have to you know that schools should not make kids uh refrain from bringing peanut butter in,
0: so um so they can come here and in a very um respectful uh gentle way, uh, have people present them um reasons why their view should be changed.
3: A lot of people will talk say about the election or something. we get an enormous number of posts on that uh, but yeah, really, any view you hold, there's no topic limitations. And if you do change your view, even partially, we ask the people, um, award, uh, basically internet points to the people who changed your view up. And so if you put a Greek letter delta in your comment, then the other person who's, who changed your view gives you, gets internet points and that makes them feel good.
1: (laughs) A delta, by the way, is the Greek symbol for change. So... The Trix rabbit argument. Before we go to commercial break, I want to tell you how that person actually had their view changed. And here's the argument. Here's how the argument went. Hundreds of people chimed in and the top comment got thousands of votes. And the top comment said that if you consult a biologist and they provided a link, you'll see that biologists who study rabbits detail that the proper diet should not have corn in it. And Tricks are made of corn. In fact, they quoted some bits and pieces from a biologist's essay on this. And in one of those quotes, the biologist said to never feed pet rabbits breakfast cereals because it could lead to a fatty liver and a variety of health problems. The original poster then said in response that this argument, though convincing, didn't apply because Tricks, the rabbit, was anthropomorphized and children see him as a person. To this, another commenter said, are we to assume that the Trix rabbit has a digestive system of a human? And if not, is this argument now that he should have the right to eat whatever he wants, even if it's very bad for rabbits? So the original poster then said that Trix did not have a digestive system because he's a cartoon. But kids see him as a non-human person, one who is okay to discriminate against. But then came the killing blow, because another commenter said that because kids think that, it might lead them to copying his actions and feeding cereal to their own pet rabbits, and, and this is a quote, he may be viewed both as a person and a rabbit, but preventing him from eating demonstrates that he's not a human, and he has a digestive system, and that rabbits should not eat cereal. With that, the original commenter admitted his views had been changed, and the consensus of all the people talking about this was that while Trix himself is poorly treated, there's another quote perhaps it is best that he does not get tricks for the good of all rabbits everywhere. Now, a few people said that he should get all the tricks that he wants. And then slowly die from poisoning because that would further drive home the lesson and end his suffering at the same time, once and for all. But again, that was debated because as one commenter said, Trix did actually manage to eat a single bowl in one commercial, and all it did was make him even more insatiable.
0: Disguised as a painter, I'll get some tricks from the kids. Hi, kids. Can I have some tricks? Sure, painter. Mm. Some
1: commenters said, in a way, showing that was a valuable lesson because it didn't end his obsession, it only magnified it. And with no one to tell him no, he would probably gorge himself to death. And it really teaches kids, in that way, to not be enablers of other people's dangerous habits, habits that could ruin their lives. For the good of the people you love, stand your ground, even if it means damaging your relationship or, in some ways, making that person suffer. Of course, some people said that, look, Trix is an adult, and he should be able to destroy his body if that's what he wants. The point of the Trix argument is to really illustrate that this is a proof of concept for the community that they've built at Change My View. Just about anything can be debated in a thoughtful way, and everyone involved will get a little smarter, and probably many of them will update their priors and see the world a bit differently, even when they're talking about the relative moral value of an anthropomorphized rabbit who never gets to satiate his one true desire. That's why the co-founder of Reddit, Alexis Ohanian, often brings up Change My View when he does lectures around the world about the value of Reddit itself as a new way of bringing people together to talk about things. And when I say talk about things, I mean argue, to disagree, to get uncomfortable. And sometimes those communities, when they do that, they turn toxic. But most of the time, at least in his view, something good happens.
2: We obviously have a content policy that we enforce strictly. um, But we also want to allow for people to get uncomfortable sometimes. um, Because that's where we feel like the growth and the perspective happens. Like it and it goes both ways. It, it could be, you know, it it is it is more important for us to be a platform where people can be their true selves and also still feel like they can express themselves. And and, you know, we have uncomfortable conversations, at least we Americans often have uncomfortable conversations every Thanksgiving. Uh, <laughs> there's always some uncle. There's always someone. We're not strangers to it. Uh, I just think that as a whole, um, it's that, it's that opportunity for us to get perspective Mm. and, and if we can do it well, and that's not easy and that's something we're, we're all working on. Um, but if we can do it well, that's where we actually start to get, I, I get that empathy, get that understanding and, and find our common ground. And, and it's, It's it's like it is very, very new territory and we're not perfect, but we're always improving it. And I think that's I I would love I would love to see I would love to see more people embracing that idea. And and like I think change my view to go back to the subject of this whole thing is such an amazing illustration of exactly that. And because, yeah, sometimes it's about tricks Rabbit. Um, sometimes I think the top voted one was about, uh, digital warrantless wiretapping. And, and, and I like for someone to say, I, I deeply feel X, but I would like you to change my view to Y, um, is something we don't hear enough. I don't say that enough. I wish I said it more often. And, and there's something really aspirational and really impressive about what they've been able to pull off.
1: My name is David McCraney, and this is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. And like I said at the beginning, Change My View is offering something really special to science, and that is the ability to quantify arguing. And thanks to that ability, a new research paper that came out this year shows what arguments work the best, what arguments work the worst, and what kind of environments seem to facilitate people changing their minds. In this episode, you're going to hear more from the moderators of that community and from the co-founder of Reddit, Alexis Ohanian, and from the lead researcher in that study, Chin Hao Tan. All of that after this commercial break. Like so many of you, learning is something I constantly look forward to, which is why I enjoy having a subscription to The Great Courses Plus. There's always something new to learn. I have it hooked up to my television in the living room, on a computer. There's an icon, you click on it, and I have this giant library of things from authors that I like, from scientists that I know, scientists who've been on the show, people who've been guests on this program have courses there, and also people like Neil deGrasse Tyson, There's everything on there, history, science, psychology, photography, and there there are courses. There's like 30 videos per course, each one an independent lecture about another aspect of that particular topic. It is amazing, and they add stuff all the time. New courses are added every week, and I recommend Your Deceptive Mind, taught by Stephen Novella. He was on this program talking about conspiracy theories. He's a neurologist. He hosts The Skeptics Guide to the Universe, and his program, Your Deceptive Mind, is a look at how our brains work to process information and misinformation, including the neuroscience behind how our thinking works, memory, perception, cognitive biases. He has a whole section on logic and how science itself works, how to be a better critical thinker. It really is. If you like this show, there is no better program than Your Deceptive Mind. It's worth it just for that one lecture. And with The Great Courses Plus, you can stream as many different lectures as you want, anytime, anywhere, from your smartphone, tablet, laptop, or TV. Watch a course all at once or pick it up later, whenever you want to, on your schedule. I want you to sign up for The Great Courses Plus today because they're giving my listeners this wonderful offer. An entire month of unlimited access to all of their lectures for nothing, for free. So don't wait. Start your free month now. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. Remember, that's Courses slash smart. And now we return to our program. My name is David McRaney, and this is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Chin Hao Tan is a scientist who studies human behavior in online environments, and he does that using something called natural
4: language processing. My name is Chen Hao Tan, and I just got my PhD degree in computer science from Cornell University last month. And I'm starting to work as a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Washington next month. So I'm kind of on vacation in China right now. And you can just call me chun Hao, I guess.
1: Now, computer scientists have been studying social networks for a long time, long before Mark Zuckerberg figured out how to make money off of them. But natural language
4: processing offers something unique. More and more people are looking at more re- much richer social interactions beyond the simple connections between e- each other.
1: If you've played around with a virtual assistant like Siri or Cortana, you've played around with natural language processing. In fact, if you've ever asked Google a question using a complete sentence, you've seen natural language processing in action. And the more we feed into systems like those, the better they get at understanding the vast complexities of language itself. But there's another step to this analysis, computationally parsing out the patterns and intricacies of conversations between humans. And since those conversations usually take place with text, that is a tremendous amount of information to be mined, by computer scientists.
4: This kind of area goes by different names uh, such as social computing, computational social science, and in, from my background in particular is combining natural language processing and social computing.
1: So yeah, social media for all of its ills is giving us something we've never had before because natural language processing goes all the way back to Turing and Babbage and Noam Chomsky and all the people who have Been applying the ideas of mathematics to the natural world, to cells and language and to intelligence, and trying to understand what is the mathematical substrate of these very complex systems. Now, you add that to social computing, and what you get is the ability to quantify and study with computers psychology, politics, persuasion, and arguing and attitude change, since so many of our conversations on the internet. Boil down to arguing about stuff and trying to figure out what is true, what is real, what is right, what is wrong, what is moral. Are there mathematical models that can help us understand and predict those things? It looks
4: like, yeah, there are. It's really an exciting area that just started, and uh, we are still in a very early stage of trying to propose some one of the some of the earliest approaches to addressing some of the challenges to use this data, this kind of. Inductions. The best way
1: to study this sort of interaction, this back and forth on the internet, in text, is to find an environment that already has a pretty locked set of rules and a format that they repeat over and over again.
4: So a lot of my research is trying to find natu- what I what I call natural experiments, or what we call natural experiments.
1: Reddit is already a perfect place for this kind of research because, in a way, it's like A nation that is pre-wiretapped, and all the conversations taking place between individuals in that nation are saved and can be dumped into a computer program for analysis. Change My View, though, is even better than Reddit in general because they have a very strict set of rules and there's a routine for how the arguments play out. Someone presents an argument, a bunch of people attack it, and if the person feels that their view has been changed, they say so. And the argument that changes their view gets an award. So the whole thing is quantified from the top to the bottom. That structure, that environment of change my view, that community, what Chin Hao called a natural experiment, had to be built over time, over iteration. And that's why it works so well, because they faced challenges and problems in the beginning, and they had to figure out a way to create a
3: civil environment for good public discourse. Right. So we have a rule that prohibits people from soapboxing or using the forum to uh, espouse their views without any intention of changing them.
1: Again, that's moderator Peter Hurley.
3: It's a very difficult rule to enforce, certainly, because you have to try and figure out if that's the case. Um, But I would say, for instance, we enforce that rule much more heavily uh, in the just in point of fact, against election-related threads and political-related threads than any other.
0: Yeah, you know, We use the term soapboxing, and it's against uh, the rules of the sub. And when we de- decide as moderators that this, view, that this person really isn't here in good faith, uh, then, then we remove it.
1: That's moderator Mark Maroner.
0: A lot of those can be very easy to see, you know, very confrontational, and, and you can look at their post history on on other things, and you're like, yeah, this is somebody who really has an agenda, and, and that's why they're here.
3: It's really dealing with um, essentially problematic users and uh, people who come in and try to poison debates in certain ways or just get into arguments.
0: There are other people who may think that they're open-minded, but when they actually start looking at it, it's like, well, no, this is, this is something they, they really believe and they'd rather argue about it than, than really investigate what, what the counterarguments
3: arguments are. Uh, so we have um, a set of, set of uh, rules on the sidebar of the, Reddit, of the subreddit, but the two big ones um, are the rule against hostility and the rule about openness to change your view. If you come here um, with the purpose of just espousing your view and um, recruiting people, everyone who's trying to challenge you is running up against a brick wall. Uh, often it's just very repetitive arguments or uh, very short uh, short and non-committal responses, um, or often gets quite hostile even. Uh, so that's always a problem and those threads we remove. Um, the other problem we have is just people get in arguments and get mad at each other and start insulting each other.
1: (laughs) The reason Change My View works is because they have very clear rules that they have evolved over time and they make sure that everyone plays by those rules. If you don't, you just get kicked out or your comment or your post gets removed Words like, the post describing your view must be at least
0: 500 characters long. Otherwise, just a one-liner isn't enough for, for the people responding to really um, understand what's going on.
1: As they mentioned before, no soapboxing. And you need to actually hold the view yourself, not not state somebody else's.
0: Can't be, well, gee, my brother said this and, and I think he's wrong. Can you change his view? You're also expected to stick
1: around and... Keep up with what people are saying to you and respond to them for at least three hours. No, no just posting and running away. And the people doing the arguing with the original poster, they have rules as well. No low effort comments, no jokes, no memes. There's all sorts of rules. And there had to be because the community grew really quickly. And it became obvious that if this was going to be anything of any value, someone had to take control of it.
0: You know, as we got larger, right, right now we're at almost a, a quarter million subscribers. You know, we needed to have more formal rules to say, okay, this this is what what's uh, able, good and and what's not. You know, so the the soapboxing and and Don on behalf, I mean that that is when we started to realize, hey, this really has to be about somebody in good faith wanting to change their view, and and you, it's about the the original poster. So can get difficult because you can have people with other views. You know, there's a lot of dis- discussion going back and forth among other contributors, even without that original person. But we, we decided, you know, it really has to be about about them. And if they post in, in bad faith, even if there's other good discussion going on, we, we don't want to reward that behavior. And so we'll, we'll remove those posts.
1: And of course, the number one rule, no insulting. Don't be rude. Don't be hostile. And you have to refrain from accusing the poster or anyone else on the site from being unwilling to change their minds because one of their central tenets is that everyone could possibly change their minds. It's just that maybe you haven't found the right way to reach them yet. The result is this astoundingly civil place on the internet where people are changing their minds all the time. In fact, if you go there and just lurk, if you just sort of sit on the sidelines, you'll probably see people posting ideas that you believe right now, and then after reading the comments, you might think, hmm, maybe I don't think that.
4: Flood is the second author of this paper, and I are both Reddit users, so we actually check Reddit every day, and we're both very impressed by the quality of conversations I won't change my view. So it's just amazing that despite the common belief that people are angry on the internet, um the discussions are very civil and the people are actually open to being changed and they make their efforts to write the, down their opinions and the, how they fall and the reasoning of their opinions on change my view and invite the whole community to change them that's just very exciting and interesting so we actually got interested in this independently and then we started to collect data and start this work together um, at Cornell.
1: One of the first things they discovered is that, yes, not everyone is getting their mind changed, but of the people who do submit an opinion, about 20% do. But here's the crazy thing. That number is going
4: up. Over time, is actually growing. And it started from around 20% back in the 2013, and now is around...
1: A third of the people who go to change my view get their views changed. That is an astonishing number in the social sciences. If you study persuasion or attitude change or politics or anything like that, knowing that people could change their minds at that level in any environment, digital or otherwise, is pretty mind-blowing. So they're doing something right it changed my view, and it's worth further investigation. And I think there are lessons here for building communities, and there are lessons here for moderating comments. So what did Chin Hao have to say when it came to what works when it comes to the arguments that tend to be the most persuasive? All that coming up after this commercial break. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Let's talk about that store thing. Seamless commerce tools. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shops, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world. It includes all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Not only that, but like with any other Squarespace website, easy tools, click of a mouse, arrange your content and features, simple, amazing designs, beautiful templates, all without a single plug-in, and free custom domains. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you receive a custom domain for free for a year and 24-7 24/7 customer support no matter what your question is get someone out there to answer that question any day any time start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code so smart to get 10% off of your first purchase squarespace set your website apart and now we return to the program My name is David McRaney, and this is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. Change My View is a community on Reddit where people post their opinions in detail, and then others provide arguments for why that viewpoint might be flawed. When the posters feel that their opinion has been changed, they award points, deltas, to the people who most contributed to that shift in perspective. And thanks to thousands of people contributing to this sort of interaction for years— All of that text information was just sitting there waiting to be analyzed when Chin Hao Tan and his team of researchers fed it into the computer systems they developed using natural language processing and social computation. When they did that and pulled apart the resulting data, they produced a paper in 2016 called Winning Arguments, Interaction Dynamics and Persuasion Strategies in Good Faith Online Discussions. Chin Hao says that when it comes to the communities. 35% success rate. The most important factor, aside from the fact that people who are willing to change their minds are gathering in one place, is that people must write out in detail what it is that they believe before the process can begin. And there is plenty of social science research to support the idea that simply elaborating your opinion can be all it takes to realize you don't really hold all that strong of a view. Most of us walk around with a meta-belief. We believe that we believe things because we've carefully contemplated them inside and out. But for many things, that simply is not true. And elaborating your beliefs can not only bring into the spotlight the flaws in your thinking when you do it in front of other people, it holds you accountable so that you can avoid that most pernicious of psychological phenomena, the backfire effect.
4: What we really like about this website is that we actually know some basics or behind the original opinion. And that's why I think that's what makes it difficult to change someone's mind in real life. So you don't really know how he forms this particular opinion. And it's very hard to get him talked out. And if he has not really thought about it, it's actually difficult for himself to identify why he holds that opinion. I think that's, for instance, that's in my opinion or in my hypothesis, um, there's one b- big reason be, Behind backfire effect.
1: The backfire effect, by the way, is the well-documented phenomenon by which when you give somebody evidence that runs counter to their attitude or their belief, they tend to instead of saying, Oh, thank you, I guess I'm wrong about that. I will change what I think. Instead, they double down and then think even more assuredly and more confidently about the wrong thing they thought before they were confronted with disconfirmatory
4: evidence because people start to think about why he holds this opinion after he hears hear this new evidence and it, in that case it's easier to debunk this new evidence because he can always form a new way of how his opinion has been formed um and in in change my view this is very different uh, this person has thought about his opinion he write down his reasoning and he is harder to avoid acknowledging that some of this reasoning is problematic in some sense, given the counter argument raised by the other side.
1: did this study discover? Well, let's go through each point, each insight, one at a time. First of all, it really does matter how many people are in the argument, at least in this community.
4: The more people there are, usually the original opinion holder is more likely to change his opinion.
1: The more people chiming in, the better the chance that the person will change their mind, but it caps off at about 100 people. Why? Well, they believe that it's just the effect of this particular website, the way it's designed. That upper limit could be lower or higher depending on how you design the environment. The second effect that he found was it really matters how many rounds of conversation you have with another person.
4: If you can have several rounds of conversation with um, is you are more likely to succeed in terms of changing his opinion. But once you have more than five rounds of conversation with him, that probably means that you Got, you already get into a dead end. There's no way that it, uh, either of you will change the other's opinion. So you're better off uh, at trying some to change someone else's opinion.
1: A little back and forth is great. But too much back and forth, nothing's going to change. So after five rounds, if nothing's changed, move on.
4: And in terms of language, uh, I think the most surprising finding to us is that uh, if you... Compare the original opinion, the description of the original opinion, and the comment, the more different the comment is from the original opinion, the more likely it is uh, in, term, in succeeding, in persuading the original author.
1: Based purely on word choice, the more dissimilar the response, the better. And probably because this means it came from a differently shaped brain than yours. It's making an argument you've never thought of before because they have a unique perspective from your own. Not only is dissimilar better, but also longer is better.
4: The comment is as longer is more likely to contain new points or different perspectives uh, than the original opinion, original author never thought of.
1: And here's where context really matters, because in most online environments, when you start arguing with somebody, you're guaranteed to produce the backfire effect if you bring out the links and start shoveling evidence in people's faces and trying to get them to go to external sources for evidence that your argument is better than theirs. In fact, on Change My View, not only is none of that true, not only are links better because they show you've done your homework and you're knowledgeable, but bullet points seem to be the most deciding factor as to whether or not someone is going to change their mind
3: break your argument down into you know a couple of very coarse statements that you want to get across and then you elaborate on those um, later on but you want to just really have two or three premises that you're trying to get the person to agree to and then explain why each of those premises is important and you and make sure you highlight those often with um, formatting and stuff to actually and like bold them or bullet point them or what have you. It's actually very effective.
4: Again, I think this relates uh, to how uh, our earlier, like this point that how you freeze your argument really matters. And in this case, people are more willing to read these links compared to the common backfire effect case. And I think that's the reason why uh, more links Helps because if people are reading to read these links and trying to think about it and take it seriously, more evidence uh, is probably more indicates stronger argu- counter arguments and people are more likely to be changed by these stronger counter arguments.
1: Another important factor for a persuasive argument is arousal. If you are disputing someone, don't make them mad. Never ever insult someone.
3: Uh, it's, I mean, it seem, like it seems like an obvious thing. But people do it all the time.
4: It's not really good to be arousing. I think that kind of connects with uh, existing argument theory. And even our common sense is not really good to be offensive. Don't pose an insult directly, certainly. And don't pose an insult as part
3: of a dichotomy. Uh, you can certainly pose a dichotomy. But always be very careful not to ascribe things to people's persons or to people's personal characteristics. It's It doesn't work. For instance, one of the most common things that will completely subterfuge an argument is some sort of a conditional insult. So, for instance, either you believe X, Y, Z, or you are something terrible or have some terrible belief. Uh, if you say either conditionally, you know, that that sort of thing to say, oh, well, you could stop being a racist if you stop, if you didn't believe that. That sort of argument happens, but it doesn't work. Like, no one accepts your dichotomy.
1: When it comes to the person who's looking to have their mind changed, there are some patterns that emerge there as well. And probably the most influential thing, the thing that seems to be most present in the argument of someone who will eventually change their mind is the presence of first-person pronouns.
4: Yeah, this is actually a really interesting result. This actually connects uh, really well with some psycholinguistic theories. So what we find is that a person that explains her view by using we instead of I is less likely to be open to changes. According to
1: self-affirmation theory, when you affirm that your opinion is your own, it means you are more likely to be open to changes in that opinion.
4: So this makes belief more likely to change because it's an opinion that you're, you only you yourself owns. It's not an opinion held by a group of people. And you are responsible for, the, for this opinion, not the other group. So in that case, if you see some good counter-arguments, you, can, you are more likely to change, uh, while if you use we, then you need, you kind of require the entire group to change the opinion so that you change your opinion.
1: And another thing that strongly correlates with the type of opinions that are most likely to be changed is, once again, bullet points.
4: Good way to change someone's opinion is ask him to write it down, articulate why he holds this opinion. And if someone is organized enough to list exactly one, two, three why I believe this opinion is true or this opinion is correct, um, this means that he spent more effort thinking of this, and also his idea is more organized, is easier to give counter arguments, and as a result, they are more likely to be changed in the end. So where is
1: all of this headed? Well, Qin imagines a future where there might be a new kind of autocorrect, but instead of for vocabulary and spelling, for making better arguments. It might not take the form of a clippy that pops up and says, it looks like you're making an ad hominem attack. Would you like some help with that? But he believes some kind of artificial intelligence might make its way into comment and community moderation
4: and soon, in the very near future. I think for me, personally, I think uh, one really interesting direction that I would like to pursue is the idea computer-enabled uh, super-intelligent people. And just one can imagine developing certain kind of writing assistants that knows how to change other people's opinion to help every individual write better arguments on the internet or off the internet or in different scenarios, for dif- for a better level of communication. The other direction that I'm pursuing is more uh, is what I'm going to do during my postdoc is this idea of uh, summarizing different perspectives or looking at mapping the different perspectives in policy discussions.
1: Basically, he imagines a computer system that can map out all of the arguing that's taking place all over the internet and figure out which ideas seem to be winning, and why, and using that to predict the shape of our future culture.
4: For instance, uh, in climate change or in gun control, there are so many different articles and how we can identify new perspectives and how new perspectives arise and how different perspectives compete with each other. And this would be a more, less for each. It can also be helped used to help inform each individual, but it's more about summarizing a huge corpus and getting insights from a huge corpus about how perspectives have been changing.
1: In the future, your comments will be approved by robots, your communities will be moderated by artificial intelligence, and our ideas might be shaped by algorithms that determine the pace and the direction of cultural change. But in the meantime, if I've learned anything from this research, it's this. If you want to change people's minds or you want your own mind to be changed, use bullet points. So my big question, my final question for this episode to everyone involved, the moderators, the scientists, the co-founder of Reddit, Alexis Ohanian is about the filter bubble versus the other side of the filter bubble. The, the good that is going to come out of all of this bickering and arguing, which I have to believe is possible, maybe, right? See, I'd like to believe that what is happening right now is that we all got comfortable with social media and we developed a literacy for it. And looking around, we realize that we've all been exposed. We're all learning that we were very wrong about something. And all the arguing, all the bad ideas fighting each other, even if you remain silent, your opinion is in full view somewhere. And so is its foil. And so this, in a way, is like a reckoning. It's an exorcism of all the bad ideas in the world. And I think what can be changed by these tools will be changed. So I'm optimistic about it. But I know that there are other people who don't see it that way. They think of this idea of the filter bubble is just making us all more entrenched in what we already believe, that we're dividing ourselves into these digital tribes with these very thick walls of ideology between ourselves and the outside world, and we're only choosing to confirm the things that we believe. So I asked everyone involved, what did they think about this dichotomy? And maybe that's a false dichotomy, I don't know, but I wanted to know, what did everybody think about this idea of the filter bubble versus the Positive output of all of this arguing on the internet.
3: Honestly, I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. honest answer to that question is that um, I don't know that that's a question that's answerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about not only about very broad social trends, which is an inherently difficult thing to answer, but it's a very non-specific question about broad trends, which makes it impossible to answer. Mm-hmm. Um Hmm. Speaking from anecdote, um, I would probably go towards the latter, but my anecdote is I'm probably not a very typical person, so my anecdote probably isn't very useful.
0: Well, I mean, to, to to try to characterize the internet as a single thing <laughs> yeah. is, is um, a little challenging. Well, and, and it's funny because that happens with Reddit a lot. Well, that's where all those racist people – Reddit's a big community. You have to understand it's millions of people around the world. Some of the internet's even bigger. Uh, um, right. You know, I, I think absolutely there's a lot of bickering. You look at Facebook and, and the algorithms they use and, and all the, the news sites – And more and more people are only being exposed to views that they agree with. And, you know, and and I think that's a terribly dangerous, uh, dangerous thing that that that, you know, you don't even begin to think you could be wrong if you don't see rational um, oppositions to to that view or, or even the possibility of it. Um, you know, and and I think certainly it, we run into the problem of somebody posts an outrageous outrageous meme um, on one side or the other, and their friend who is the opposite view um, uh, starts countering it, and you know that's not probably something that's going to work. You know, I believe this really thing, and I I'm feeling very attacked, and and you know that method of I, th- I think there was a recent study that yeah nobody changes their view on Facebook, and that's true because the the way it works is that it's mostly you're mostly seeing stuff that you agree with anyway, and and just someone going in there and telling you you're wrong isn't isn't the right way of doing it. That said, I mean obviously there are communities out there. I mean the the ability to research information to find information to see different views and to to go to a, a cmv or or you know any of the other places out there you know there's the internet provides an incredible amount of of options for that uh for people who might have a um minority view of something that is um important to them and then they can find other communities um, of people. And this doesn't have to be a view on, um, on politics or big issues. It could be uh, other people who really like a particular movie or a game or, or something. And that they, there's a nice way of, of building the, oh yeah, there are other people who have this view and you should also look at this or understanding why. So, so there's great possibility, but I, I think it's, it it really needs to be we need to somehow get people in the right areas and not just um in the the echo chambers which which i think unfortunately people are more and more um being exposed to um
4: i think right now i'm I'm kind of on both and i i think right now we uh somewhat inevitably using these kind of recommendation systems. Um, there is also some kind of necessity Necessity because there's just such a huge amount of data out there or so many articles out there, and there needs to be some system that sort them in some way. And many research has, has shown that just sorting by... Cr- chronologically may not be the best way and may not be the most effective way in any sense. So there's no way that this is the, most, the best algorithm and we do not really fully understand how this algorithm affect our reasoning. Um, so I think there's needs a lot of research going on in that direction. And thus this kind of in, impact is what I usually call ma- macro. So and there is also the other side, which is closer to the kind of research that I, I have been doing, uh, is what I call micro-level. So this idea that you can also build a writing system, or you can also help individuals reasoning about um, how to make arguments, or help each, other, each person to figure out what the best way to propose but, uh, a counter-argument, or help them figure out what the rhetorical techniques that the other side is using um, and help people better navigate the space of rhetorics of reason. Um so that at least we can make sure that we are communicating better. And maybe there is hope that we can better change each other's opinion or at least communicate better what exactly we mean uh, to each other.
1: So where do you come down on all this? How do you look at the Internet as a vehicle for Communication and change and arguing and all that stuff.
2: Well, uh, I think I think the internet, given how broad it is, can can do all of those things.
1: Again, this is Alexis Ohanian, co-founder of Reddit.
2: And you know, I read the filter bubble. I I thought Eli brought up some very good points. Um, I even told him actually he was he was very off in his description of Reddit. I think he was, I I don't know where he got the information, but he was under the notion that um, Reddit was constantly, like, basically uh, filtering results based on your voting habits and preferences, as if there was this, like, recommendation engine that was working behind the scenes. Um, There isn't. Um, However, when he talks about a site like Google and running a search and the different results one sees, um, that's a... That's a very interesting and and I think very real situation um, because at the end of the day, Google's job as a utility is to deliver the most relevant results for me, which is going to be different from you, and and I think that's actually where Reddit, the platform, plays such a valuable role because Reddit is the place on the internet where you can actually find your people, find your communities, and also get a glimpse into other communities, other sort of digital town squares. And, you know, as as product creators, we are very keen on making, we, we want to help a user find content they're going to enjoy as quickly as possible. And so that, you know, when you hit Reddit for the first time, there's a sampling of different Reddit communities. Um, we try to educate users about, you know, it's basically how the platform works, so that they can realize that whatever their interest is, whatever their hobby might be, there's a Reddit community for them. If they love the Yankees, there's a community there. And in fact, it's probably the it's it is the best source for interesting discussion and news about their interests. What gets really interesting, though, is when and that's it's, a lot of it's by nature of the platform, and a lot of it is stuff that we can do a better job of uh, improving. Um, is is when users get exposed to stuff they didn't think they liked, um, but do, and and you see it happen all the time in comments where people are having a discussion and someone references oh blah blah blah, you know birds with arms, and and links to another one of these Reddit communities or or says hey look you know here there's a whole other perspective on this over on r slash Islam here's that discussion and. And where I find it to be so fruitful is that, yeah, I have the communities on Reddit that I subscribe to that I visit daily because it's my favorite sports team or because it, it's their communities I identify with. Um, but I'm also regularly getting glimpses into other communities and their authentic discussions. And that's actually really valuable. Now, Now, change my view is probably the most extreme version of this because people are coming there very explicitly to have their view changed and that's that's a pretty remarkable thing on the internet but there's a bunch of different there's a bunch of shades along the way uh that just allows someone to get exposed to different viewpoints and different perspectives of of different communities and that's that's something i think we're really striving toward um long 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 term I, i really believe that's what creates like growth and and empathy um in the short term, we want to keep getting good at making sure that we can end up finding content and a home on Reddit for you. But long term, we want you to use that as the foundation to say, okay, like I know my view, I know, you know, I love <laughs> I love my sports team, uh <laughs> and and I feel a certain way about how that game went. But uh, I wonder. I, I would like like let me get some perspective on how the other team feels about this, um, how the fans of the other team rather feel about this. And of course, you don't have to just apply this to sports. You can apply this to all kinds of things, um, even much more meaningful things in our society that will help us get a better understanding and a better perspective. And and so I, I do think the internet can do all of this. And I think there are there are different roles for different platforms. And the role that Reddit will continue to play is, is for, for humans all over the world to find their communities, find their people, and then discover interests and communities they didn't even know they liked, and then also get glimpses into communities they may think they have no interest in whatsoever or, or maybe that they don't agree with. But hopefully it happens in a really substantive, like, significant way, um, that gives us a, 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 better perspective on things.
1: And you're, you're in a favor of the, of the concept of, um, remaining anonymous or having pseudonyms. What is your, uh, sort of your strong argument for that as a way, as a conduit for, um, for expanding your
2: perspective? Yeah. Well, so the key here is pseudonymity. Um, then that you know that's just essentially it's using a pseudonym, right? Having a username. Um, I am Alexis O'Hanian according to my driver's license, but I am nothing on Reddit. A kn0thng, and and that's really meaningful because it is anonymity with accountability, and that's really really important. Pure anonymity, that is where there's no accountability, where you just are anonymous, where you don't have an identity, even if it's a made-up one. Is, is problematic uh, because there is no accountability. We benefit from all the benefits of anonymity. That is the, the freedom, like the, the the ability for you to be all of yourselves and to be your open and honest self um, because that ultimately makes for the best content. It also makes for the best experiences. Um, you know, we, we as people, really want to connect on this deep level. And to date, all of these driver's license ID, let's call them driven networks, Facebook and the like, allow us to only connect in a very superficial way. And and we f- think about what we post on Facebook, um, right? Think, we literally filter our photos on Instagram. We'll take 10 minutes to make our kale salad look perfect. These these, this kind of sharing is the same. It, it's a, it's an important thing that we as humans clearly want, right? There's 1.6 billion of us sharing in this way on Facebook and connecting there, but we're we're connecting in a superficial way. It's it's probably the same need for us to keep a nice lawn, um, because you know we heaven forbid we wouldn't want the Joneses to think that we can't keep a nice house. Um, it's not very deep it's it's still it's like the cocktail party level of depth and and that's again that's great humans need that but our bet for Reddit and I, I really firmly believe this is that we as people crave and want something much deeper and much richer and those kinds of connections in the offline world take they take security. you have to feel safe opening up and connecting in that way. And offline, that security is created by either time—you know, we've known each other for a really long time—maybe uh, some kind of extreme situation, like we just we just we go to war together. We go we go through something really really intense in a short period of time. We connect, uh, or maybe we just drink a lot, right? There's a there's a few different hacks for creating that security offline. Um but they they're they're either work or their time or they're exceptional and they certainly don't scale. Right? If David, you and I became very close and and you know over the next decade, um we could share really intimate connections and have those really intimate discussions, but it's only between the two of us. Right? What what pseudonymity does at scale on Reddit is it instantly allows for that security to happen. It allows for me to have a discussion about what uh, the difficulties I'm having in my marriage or the concerns I have about coming out or the or the the weird thing that I found underneath my toenail this morning that I just I, I need some. highlight like I don't know what is this thing um, that we don't feel comfortable sharing in that Facebook world. And we don't even feel comfortable sharing with our like offline connections and. And that's really, really special because not only does it happen there, it also happens at scale. So now it can benefit from the insights and the perspectives of you know, hundreds of millions of people. There's a quarter of a billion people who are going to visit Reddit this month. And that's, that's a pretty special thing. We've, we've never really been able to do this before at this scale. And, and a lot of it is in the, in the very ambitions of what Sir Tim Berners-Lee had for the World Wide Web. Uh, and i know this because of a reddit ama he did and i'll never forget it because i really I, that is that is our mission that is why we want people to feel that sense of connection and we see it happening every day and the benefit of it is for all the people who are sharing and all the people who are sort of giving back in the discussion there's there's real connection and i and i and i want to stress that it is not without It is not without discomfort, right? Sometimes, uh, these discussions, these arguments get uncomfortable. And I I mean, we also sit on, I think, the largest pool of data about pseudonymous discussion of a quarter of a billion people. And the reality is 0.02% of all content on Reddit ever gets reported. And that's when a user says, oh, this is really effed up, this is re- I really I, I, this is a violation of the content policy, what have you, I'm going to click report on this. So if I told you, right, a quarter of a billion people every month manage to have all kinds of discussions, I can get the number of comments and the number of posts, but it's, it's a ton, <laughs> um, and only 0.02% are problematic, according to other users, um, you'd think that was a pretty amazing place. If we could live... My gosh, if we could live in a city that had a 002 percent crime rate that also had a quarter of a billion people living in, I guess that'd be a country, wouldn't it? Yeah, It's bigger than Brazil. So, yeah, if we could <laughs> if we could live there, I would want to live there. And and the threshold here is is as simple as right. Someone just typing at their keyboard. And so you would think, right, all of our maybe a lot of people's um, instincts are that that would bring out the worst in people but the reality is it actually brings out the best and to have seen that now at scale is pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty darn impactful. Uh, and I, and and like I said, pseudonymity is the, that's the cornerstone of it, right? There is a sense of identity and, and that combined with, you know, uh, the, the voting system, there's a certain amount of community moderation and community reinforcement. You know, when you have mob teams, that are, you know, they, they're they basically the community leaders and they're the party hosts. And so they set the standard for discourse and behavior. And and so, you know, there are very... I, Ask Historians is probably one of my favorites because they are so rigorous, so rigorous. And, and, and it's like, it, I mean, it would be, it's the equivalent of showing up in a convention hall full of millions of historians and amateur historians. But, like, as soon as you walk in the room... We've all been in that moment, right? You walk in the room and you just get a sense of the room and you can tell that if you were to get up, like raise your hand, stand up and make some totally random off the cuff, like I heard this thing once that Thomas Jefferson had a rocket ship, like everyone in the room would just scowl at you like it. And it's the, a lot of the community behaviors that we think about offline actually do play out online and it comes through in the moderation. It comes through in the comments and the discussions it's you know, it, it's, it's interesting how many of those things hold up. And, and the reality is, again, it, it brings out, it actually brings out the best in people. And, and I get to see, I'm spoiled because I look at this stuff every single day and, and I get to see stories and examples. Um, one of the most meaningful ones for me in the last few weeks was, uh, a gay man in Syria posted on the LGBT community, r slash LGBT and others. Reddit is home to the, the the largest, you know, LGBT community audience online. And this one is one of a number of them. Um, but he posted on here because, OK, one, he's living in Syria, which even if it weren't going through the awful crisis it is right now, would still be a difficult place to be gay, certainly, and, and couldn't even think of really being openly gay. Um, but going through what it is right now, um he, he really felt like the only place he could go was this community. He couldn't go to any of his offline communities there. Um, he, he certainly couldn't post this to Facebook. Um, he needed some outlet somewhere to go somewhere to find just even, even listening ears, um, not necessarily answers, but support and a community. And that doesn't happen without the security of pseudonymity, of this form of anonymity. And and that's it it, it makes it all worth it.
1: moderators for Change My View, they told me all these stories about their favorite arguments, about how Change My View was founded, their favorite moments. Peter told me about this argument that involved whether or not you should be able to sell your organs, like just your extra organs, just sell them on the open marketplace. Another one about how peanut butter, whether or not it should be allowed in schools and what that means for adult rights and children's rights. A lot of people learned a lot from that, he said. And arguments about politics and tanks and all sorts of things. Will you be amazed? They said that there was a climate change argument in which actual climate scientists came in and said, look, here's here's the actual raw data. Here are the facts. I mean, how does, when does that ever happen on Facebook? It's great stuff. There was just no room for it in this show, but all of it is going to be in the extras for this episode at Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash you are not so smart, become a patron, and you'll get to hear all the extras for this episode, and no commercials, as always, if you're a patron for the show. If you'd like to read that research or contact any of the people that have been in this episode or just learn more, I have links to everything in the show notes for this episode at youarenotsosmart.com. All right, up next, the closing cookie for the episode, and then the end credits. Starts with the letter C. Cookie starts with C.
2: Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? C is for cookie. That's good
1: enough. In each episode of the You Are Not So Smart Podcast, I eat a cookie baked from a recipe sent in by a listener or a reader. And if we pick your cookie, your recipe, and then I eat it right here in an episode, we send you a signed copy of the You Are Not So Smart book, or its sequel, You Are Now Less Dumb. And of course, my wife, Amanda, she cooks all of these cookies, picks them out and says, this is the one for this episode. And this episode's cookie is the Goriba. It comes from Moulay Muhammad, who sent this in just a few months back. And he says in his email, I'm from Morocco. I'm a big fan of your show. I'd like to thank you for your efforts that you put into making us less dumb. And here's a cookie I'd like to share with you. It's called the Goriba, and it's always present in all celebrations in our country. It is simple, and it is delicious. Simple, I don't know about that, because it was it was weird. It was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. It involved dumping a lot of sesame seeds into a bowl and then grinding them up, because this doesn't use flour. It, use, it uses ground-up sesame seeds. So the ingredients are coconut sesame seeds, sugar, eggs, salt, black chocolate, which is really, really dark chocolate, cocoa powder, icing sugar, and a sachet of baking powder. And you'll have the all the ingredients and the instructions on how to make this over at the website, youarenotsosmart.com. They are really great. And he ends his email with, I'm really happy to contact you and I hope the recipe will get through to your show. It did. Muhammad Mule. I'm sorry. I read your name backwards because that's the way it looked in your email, but your sign off says Muhammad Mule. Oh man. I I'm going to go ahead and admit this is not my first one of these. Uh, I have eaten about 45 of these and they are amazing cookies, but I'm going to eat one right here on the show and tell you what it tastes like. Hold on. Here we go. Oh man. So they look like little mounds of chocolatey, cookiness. Uh, they have sort of a round flat asteroid look to them and, uh, they are, they're dark, 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 but they are covered in, um, a sprinkling of white. So it's like a snow capped, uh, asteroid that's headed towards earth and going right into my mouth. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Mm Hmm. Incredible. The textures are just, I mean, there's a lot going on with this cookie. A lot of texture. You have to chew this cookie for a very long time. I'm, I'm, I'm over here away from the microphone, so you don't hear my chewing. Mm. But man, listen, because it's made with sesame seeds and coconut, the coconut is, has this sort of toasted, stringy, tendril thing going on inside with a matrix of the sesame seeds all in there. And so you have to chew, chew, chew. And there's the coconut and then there's a the nut and then chew and chew and chew. So the insane dark chocolate taste of this cookie, you can't just pop it in your mouth and go, hmm, that was good. You have to, it stays with you. You chew and chew it. And, and, and all these levels of chocolatiness keep coming out of it one by one. It's it's a, it's a an experience, this is an experience. This cookie is a chocolate experience. I feel like, honestly, it's the best chocolate cookie I've ever had. We've had a lot of different cookies on the show, um, and I can say some of them are the best I've ever had, and some of them are just good. But when it comes to chocolate, I feel like if you, if you are a chocolate lover, this is the ultimate way to deliver it into your body. Uh, this is the best way to get chocolate from the natural world Into your bloodstream. It's amazing. Mm, It's the it's the cookie equivalent of whenever you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? And then they tell you, and it turns out you don't mind at all. It was nice. You think to yourself, why don't I actually, actually ask people that more often? Why don't I tell people that more often? It's not as cringy as you might think. There are complexities. And everyone I meet is my superior in some way. And in learning from them, I add to myself. That is what this cookie is saying. When you chew it for the five full minutes it requires to to get it to the level where you can swallow its chocolatey amazingness. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Mohammed. Oh, there's a book headed to Morocco. And uh, anyone who wants the recipe for this, just go to youarenotsoSmart.com. The recipe will be right there. And um, Mohammed, a book is on its way.
4: Each and each
1: and each. That is it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart Podcast. Go to boingboingpodcast.com for more great podcasts like this one. Go to Change My View on Reddit to see what we were talking about. Go to you are not so smart.com for the show notes and for links to all the previous episodes. You can also find all the previous episodes at iTunes and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Go to patreon.com/slash you are not so smart to become a patron and you can follow us on Twitter at NotSmartBlog. You can follow me on Twitter at David McRaney. Also, there's a Facebook page. Nearly 400,000 people are fans of the of the You Are Not So Smart <laughs> experience. What do you call this? Uh, over at Facebook, and oh yeah, the um, the opening music that is Clash by Caravan Palace, and this music is Banjo Apocalypse. And you can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Y-A-N-S-S today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com
3: slash Y-A-N-S-S.